Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the AntsMarching.org podcast. This is episode two. Half surprised, half not, that we're doing this again for the second time. Um, after the first episode, people were pretty vocal and pretty supportive, which honestly was a surprise. I thought it was a good idea. I thought it would be fun, but I really had no idea how successful it'd be. And I have to say that given the amount of subscribers, the fact that we're now on iTunes, and if you look in iTunes, uh, I'll tell you how to get to that later. The popularity bar is maxed out, so we're getting tons of hits. Really, really cool. So today we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. The most important change is that Jake Figliotti, also an admin at the site, was one of the original founding fathers of Ants, is joining us tonight via iChat. So Jake is joining us from Florida. I am up in New York. And isn't technology grand? We can do this all over the internet. All right, Jake, so it's really good to have you here, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Matt. Thank you for having me. How's the weather down there in sunny Florida? It's getting kind of cold today. It was 91. A little, uh, little sweater weather for us. I feel so bad for you. Cry me a river when you put the boards up on your windows in the hurricane season. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Hey, listen, Jake, I'm going to kick off some news here first uh, before we get into the, the back and forth about what's going on with the band. Uh, as far as the site goes and the podcast... We are now listed in the iTunes Music Directory. So if you uh, go to the iTunes Music Store and search for Dave Matthews Band or DMB or Ants Marching, you'll be able to go to the podcast tab and boom, there we are. So that's awesome because I think we'll get a lot more exposure that way. From the stats that I've looked at, most, like 90% of the subscribers to our podcast so far are using iMac or iTunes either on the Mac or the PC. So... That's a really big uh, avenue for us. Plus, nobody's written a review yet for our podcast. It gives you guys a chance, whoever's out there listening, jump on iTunes, write a review, give us some kind words, please, uh, and see your name up there on iTunes. Yeah, yeah, plead with them, Jake. Let's see, uh, t-shirts and stickers still, still selling extremely well. I want to hire this out to somebody to fulfill these orders because I thought that, I, you know, I'd go to the post office once a week and kind of drop off the shirts that were ordered that week. It is seriously a nightly thing, and I'm breaking my balls working on it. But it's a lot of fun still, and it's, uh, I don't know, Jake, you want, to, you want to take it over? Well, let me uh, check with my busy schedule, and I'll get back to you on that. All right, I appreciate you putting in the time. <laughs> but but the shirts aren't very nice, and the, both designs are nice, and this is like the, the 1.0 version of the shirts, too. So, you know, down the line, there might be some other designs coming out for men and women both, and maybe some other different kinds of shirts also, so be on the lookout for that. Exactly. I, I mean, we like I said, this is an early stage of the shirts. It's the first time we've really went official with something like this, but we have talked about the idea of, like the band, they have a, a summer 2000 tour, 2007 tour shirt, they got a winter tour shirt when they have the winter tour. Thinking about doing almost like a, a yearly uh, site shirt almost. And that's, like I said, it's too early to do that, but that's that's what you're talking about. Exactly. Something like that. Something that, you know, encompasses the site that will remind people, you know, maybe the, the dude um, Angel from Montgomery shirt or something like that, you know. Something that, you know, speaks to the inside stuff on the boards. Exactly. Uh, well, what else is going on is uh, we, we threw out a new feature there since the last podcast, and that's uh, Vote for Live Tracks. And now this ties more into band news, uh, which we'll get to in the next section. But basically, uh, instead of people just saying, hey, I want to hear this show, and then when that show isn't releases a live track, saying, okay, well, how do we get the word in? 
we've uh, integrated this feature with our Tour Central where you can go to a show, look at its details, look at the set list, and you can vote on that show. And we keep uh, we keep in touch with band management, and they will be appraised of the results of those uh, the voting. And who knows, the next time the live tracks comes out down the road, uh, we might see an AntsMarching.org influence decision with that, which is which is really cool. Yeah, this is really exciting. This is some gives uh, the fans a real chance to get out there. A lot of people talk about shows from like 1998, that great you know November December run. Some shows from 99, of course, the great shows of 2000. Now you can go in there, just select the show you want, and of course you can probably download the show if you're not sure what it is from the torrent, just to give you a better idea what it sounds like, and just vote for it. And you know, like you said, we're keeping the votes a little secret for now. We don't want people to you know pile in on certain shows, but we'll eventually probably leak out some information about that, give you an idea of where shows stand. Yeah, but uh, make sure you get in there and vote for the shows you want. You can vote for more than one show, but you know, try to be honest about it. You know, if you really think you want to listen to a show and buy a show, you know, vote for it. Don't just vote for a show because you were there or, or something like that. And what I've found, Jake, and talking to a couple people on the boards, is that just that is happening. People aren't just going buck wild clicking on any show. They're really thinking about it and saying, yeah, I would buy this, and, and they're voting for it. So to start out, let's say I checked earlier this morning, and I think the feature's been up for a whole two days. We've had over 5,200 votes entered in already, and the top show only had 170 votes. So you're seeing a really big distribution of votes, which is good because it's given all these shows a good base. But I think we'll see um, some shows pull away from the rest as the time goes on uh, due to campaigning on the boards and, and people really getting uh, – some uh, good campaigns together, I guess, for lack of a better term. Exactly. So, uh, all right, on to the band news. We have plenty. We put up a big, uh, big story this uh, yesterday. We did. This is uh, today is Friday, so we put it up on Thursday. Um, a little something first before we get into the details of that. And Jake, you can talk to this too. But every time we put up a story that is an exclusive bit of news that's not out there on Billboard or Rolling Stone or the likes. We, we kind of get people, geez, where'd you guys hear that? Not necessarily doubting us, because I think at this point in our existence of the site, we've proven that, you know, what we come out with is legitimate. And uh, so, so when people ask, it's not that we don't want to tell you. It's not that we're trying to keep big secrets here or, you know, not neener, neener, we know people and you don't. It's just the fact that, and I, I don't think this is too hard to understand, if, if we gave away... Who told? I mean, some of these people work for the band. Some of them are very close to the band. Some of them are friends. And they might not work or be close or be friends with the band any longer if it came out that they were sharing this information with people outside of that inner circle. And I don't really know how, how more clear to put it that if, if, we, if we gave up our, our sources, if we said, okay, we heard it from Joe Smith, and Joe Smith is this with the band, that would probably be the last piece of information we got from Joe Smith, and that source would dry up, and we'd have no more news from that angle. So, I mean, I couldn't think of a better reason than that to say that we're going to you know, respect our sources' wishes for privacy and, and keep it that way. Exactly. This is the same thing a newspaper does if they would get a story a, a Pentagon source says or something like that. Well, you know, we're not covering the Pentagon. We're not Pentagon.org. You know, we're AntsMarching.org. We're going to use people that are familiar with the band – and so on, and if they're able to give us information that we can verify and we feel it's a strong enough story, then we'll go with it. I mean, we get information literally every single day, 
and some stuff we report if we feel that it's true and there's some stuff that we hold back on and, and you know the stuff that we put on the main page we stand behind confidently and i think our, our track record speaks for it i think it's important also to distinguish the difference between the site and the members of the board uh, we have 148,000 plus members and stefan's fallen uh, victim to it too lumping in the sites and and nancy's with the members who post on the board uh the, the posts are the property of the member who posted it and uh really don't reflect the official opinion of antsmarching.org at all and i think a lot of people see somebody post something on answer on nancy's and and it it's something that is out of left field well well ants is you know they're full of it because let's look at what this kid said Obviously, we have no control over that. We don't want to have control over that. That's why it's, a, it's an open forum. But uh, if it goes on the front page, you can be pretty sure and, uh, and, and bet the house that it's going to happen. Exactly. You know, we've, we've been pretty fortunate in the past to come up with some pretty good stories. You know, we, you know, I don't want to toot our own horn, but, you know, we broke the story on JTR not being on the album back on Busted Stuff when most people thought it was going to be like the first single. So from there, we've you know kind of established ourselves that we've been able to get some information, and fortunately, it's all worked out for us. So you know, if we put it up there, like Matt said, we're standing behind it, and, and that's that. Yeah, we've we've been really fortunate to to be in touch with the people that we're in touch with, and it's just it's a good thing all around, and we just want to keep providing the community with good, solid, and exciting information too. So it it works out, and that leads forward to. Some of the items that were mentioned in this news article, um, the big one, there, I think there are two big ones, but the big one is no winter tour. And no news is not always news, but in this case it is because I, I saw a lot of people really expected a winter tour to come through, even though they didn't even do one last year. But it seemed to be the general feeling that they were going to kick one off this year. And uh, as, as Jake knows, winter tours can be fickle because it's a busy time of year, the holidays, and uh, just one date can, can bounce a whole schedule around. It, it really can, and that's what it comes down to, is, is a lot of times what any band will do is they'll contact some arenas and they'll just lay out some potential dates. And it's just potentially, and they basically what they need to do is everything has to kind of fall into place for it to happen. And one little change could throw things off, and sometimes that's enough to throw off a whole tour. Not saying that necessarily happened this time, but we all know that DNB put some feelers out on some certain places this year, and uh, apparently it didn't work out. You know, they still may play one or two shows here or there, from what we understand. But as far as a full-fledged, you know, 10 or 15 tour date or tour run, it's just not going to happen. And personally, Jake, that's completely fine by me. Uh, I, the, the summer tour is shortened up due to um, Dave having another kid. And, and that's beautiful, and, and congratulations to him and, and Ashley. But uh, from what I hear, Dave is writing an awful lot. Um, and the new songs that we're hearing recently are just the tip of the iceberg. And that's, that's good news. I mean, we've heard it before. We, we heard it with Every Day. Uh, we heard it after Every Day. With the bus and stuff, we, we thought we might get two whole albums of content. Um, you know, these things are sad, and, and I think the speculation and the hype always makes expectations much higher than, than real reality. But uh, I, I think that that they might really be onto something this time around for whatever reason. It, it just seems like the, the writing's been more crisp and focused and meaningful lately. And of course, with, uh, with Mark Batson no longer being the producer 
for uh, this upcoming effort from the band. That raises a lot of questions too, and, and it it almost sounds like not that Mark was bad, but just the fact that there was a change at all shows that they were serious about making something different this time around. And I think that's the key. It's it's something different because a lot of people are trying to read into what does this mean. You know, Batson had problems. I know there's a lot of people out there who didn't like stand up at all. The one thing you can say though is that musically on stand up, DMB was together. They were together as a band. And they put good music together. So if you kind of look over their past, Dave's had some really good writing sessions with Steve Lillywhite. They put some really good music together with Batson. So, you know, there's the potential there. Dave's really got his writing back on, like you were saying again. Musically, the songs sound pretty good. Potentially, you know, you're talking about that album that everybody's been waiting for to follow up before these crowded streets, that, you know, epic album. So, Yeah, well... I personally, before these crowded streets, is my is my pinnacle of the band. Uh, I have made no secret of the fact that I think that they haven't put anything out uh, worthy of being called its you know successor since then. Uh, I was excited that Stand Up might have been it uh, when I first heard some of the tracks. They they had a maturity to them that that Every Day didn't. I think um, Butts and stuff I just consider to be a wash. Uh, I figure. I, I considered an album. I considered the Lily White sessions. Hey guys, let's just lay these down and let's get them out. The record company would like you know to have them released, and it just didn't feel like it. It's not. It felt like a second time through for the band. Is exactly what it sounded like, and that's exactly what it was. You can um, almost tell that from the band. I mean, look at the dearth of songs played from Busted stuff. I mean, they play Gray Street. They play Bartender. Grace is gone. I mean, when was the last time you heard? you know, kick that jam or, or Raven or, or, you know, yeah. even big eyed fish. Well, big eyed know. fish is it's a tragedy. What happened to that song from the version that was on the Lily white sessions, which probably was one of the most finished songs produced songs on that disc. And it was absolutely beautiful. And it got turned into a glorified intro for bartender. And it's, I, I, I'm not embarrassed to say it's absolutely horrendous compared to what it was back in 2000. It just, Me. Unfortunately, you're absolutely right, and it's it's a shame because that really I, I thought was probably the best song on the Lily White sessions, and and what it became is just uh, just awful. Yeah, but I mean, you're right. It's it's just they stopped playing songs from that album. You never know is one of the best pieces of music he's written since the Lily White sessions, and it still kind of gets tucked in there with the rest of that album and swept under the rug. And you know we have seen it come out a few times at the end of the tour, which I'm super excited about. Uh, I wish it was more of a staple live because I, I think it has that real emotional potential to it. It, it kind of has that, if it was played a little more often, I think it would be almost become like a, a number 41-ish in, in a way where it's not the big song that everybody knows, but if you look around the crowd, everybody's singing the, the song live. You know, and that's the thing about 41. It wasn't a, it wasn't a release, it wasn't a radio release, but you, know, you look around at 41, and there's 20,000 people singing along. Yeah, absolutely. It was... Uh... A big shock when they when they played that on Letterman. They had planned to uh, what song did they plan to play, Jake? And they and they switched. Tripping Billies. Billies. Tripping, Tripping Billies right? was the yeah. Tripping Billies was the radio release, and they came out and they played Forty One instead. Yeah. Quite a shock. Just I mean, it was a great performance, and then couple that with the fact that they just you know what we're not going to play Billies, we're going to play this, and that's just kind of really said a lot about the band at that time. It was really cool. Excellent. Well, all right, let's see. Uh, a couple of minor things. The warehouse page is, is due for a refresh. 
not too many specific details. Um, I'm sure you're going to see a radically different design. In terms of how the uh, site processes tickets and ticket requests, I'm not sure about any changes there. I know that there are going to be some additional features with the ticketing, maybe some fan-to-fan uh, -fan interaction changes. Uh, I can't go ahead and, and confirm that they're going to have a ticketing system in terms of trading tickets because I don't really think they want to step into the waters of condoning or recommending or encouraging ticket trading between members because, I mean, it, it's tough. When you have people requesting for every show of the tour or every show of every series and, and, and then just kind of and trading them off, that isn't always fair completely. But at the same time, a lot of tapers will do that, and that's what enables us to get the great shows back to the community. That's how they all get the great seats. And, you know, you don't want to stop that either because that is beneficial to the entire community. So I don't envy the warehouse at all. <laughs> the, the, the balancing act of over 100,000 members and maybe at a show like Saratoga where you can squeeze in 25K, having 35K requests, I mean, how do you make the majority of people happy, especially when you have a limited amount of seats? The venues aren't getting any bigger, just the membership is. Yeah, you know, that's that's one thing I think we've been accused of a lot is, is – uh is back in the warehouse a little too much. I know there's a lot of people out there that are a little, uh, little angry at them, but I mean, when you think about the job they're doing, it's incredible. And, and I'm, you know, I remember back in the old days, in you know, before the warehouse, '97, '98, when you know you either knew somebody that worked at Ticketmaster or you just weren't getting tickets, and that that was all there was to it. So you were scalping. So, to me, the warehouse will always be a godsend as long as I can get tickets. I'm happy. Yeah, and if you don't get tickets, screw them, right? Exactly. Those <laughs> well, bastards. <laughs> that's the difference between uh, with Jake and I. Jake is uh, a few years older than I, whereas he was college-aged when the band was just getting uh, getting their feet under him. I was, uh, I think I was still in grade school. So You weren't in puberty, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think I was quite there. Uh, and that's unfortunate because, you know, I didn't appreciate music when I was 12 years old, so... You know, what would you say? Yeah, great song. I'll buy the CD for that track and not listen to the rest of it. And that's just the kind of music fan I was at that age. And I just wish that by the time I was old enough to really appreciate the band, they weren't already seven years into their run. I kind of wish that I was aware of what was going on from the beginning. You know, but it's interesting you say that because that's one of the, the things about this band that's, that's quite unique is you can go back and you can listen to a show that, like I saw in 1994, I mean, obviously it's not the same thing, but, you know, you could listen to it and, and get a feel of what they sounded like. And, you know, there's a lot of bands you can't do that with, and that's just the beauty of DMB allowing taping all these years. You know, you can go back to, you know, 1991, and you can hear a show from their very early days. That's true, and, and it's something that has been with us for so long, since, like you said, 91. It's almost, take, it's, not, it's an afterthought now. It's taken for granted completely. And it's something that, you know, with the way the uh, the record industry is going and all the news you hear about lawsuits and, and people paying twice for a song and then get paying again for the ringtone and all these rights and, and how it relates to music, it's something that could disappear in an absolute instant, this taping. And I'm, I wouldn't doubt that the band has been pushed to do just that and have fought for, you know, our ability to go ahead and, and tape it and enjoy those recordings and... Uh, even with the band doing their own live tracks. I mean, that right there would be a reason to say, you know, we're going to do our own thing. And I think they, you know, let's give management credit where credit is due. These big companies, these record companies, they don't get it. They haven't gotten it yet. 
but management would they see what kind of a problem that would cause if they went ahead and took that attitude and they're not even going close to it and they're still able to be successful and sell a lot of copies of these live track series exactly that's you know it's it's one of those things again that's it's it's underrated and we're really blessed you know as a as a community of the way that they actually treat us and let us get away with things no question so uh we got a couple emails over the last week. Uh, we got a few. Um, not as many as I'd hoped. So if you guys want to get your questions read on the air, uh, drop us an email at podcast at antsmarching.org. Uh, suggestions, comments, questions, and if there are some good ones, we'll read them on the air. Uh, the first one, and, and these are for you, Jake, and you probably could speak to these the best. Why is Dreams of Our Fathers not played live? Oh, boy. Uh, because Dave can't rap. <laughs> that's the short answer it, it's really if you listen to the song the album version of the song which is really the only way you can hear it, it it's very fast and, and Dave's literally speaking it very quickly and they tried a couple sound checks of it in 2001 and he simply could not play the guitar and sing the song at the same time it just was impossible so that's one song that you'll probably never hear live short of having a couple of guests in there and somebody playing guitar for Dave. just I, I think it would be too much of a mess. Well, I, I think that speaks to the production on the album, and that is an example. I mean, Steve Lillowet was very heavy with this production, but it was never something that couldn't be reproduced live without too much trouble, where I, uh, some of every day, the band has done a remarkable job of getting down the everyday songs live, putting their own flavor on them versus the album version and making them sound excellent. Whereas I remember when that album first came out and I saw them live actually at MTV Studios. They did TRL and then they did that little mini concert afterwards and they played I Did It and they had an, a guest guitarist and it was just, they were struggling to get the music down because it was, I don't want to say artificial, but the album cut was so enhanced and produced where to create, recreate that raw, they had a hell of a time at the start. You could make the argument that Butch Taylor owes his DMB career to to Ballard because uh, they had to bring him back on tour. They tried Space Between without a piano a couple times on their on their last uh, stadium tour, and it sounds a little uh, dicey at best. To yeah, put that's kindly. a real good point. And I mean, you can find just as many people who don't like Butch on tour who do, but I personally think he's a great addition and. Uh, you know, with a keyboardist, you could really fall into that cheesy organ um, feel very easily on a lot of songs. And I think they do resist that. And it works on, like, like Hunger. That song is meant for the organ. Um, so I, I think Butch is able to show a lot of different dimensions when he plays with the band. And, and I think that's what's helped him stick around for so many years. Yeah, he's really, you know, he's taking that step. They've, they've you know, he's, I guess he's, for all intents and purposes, a member of the band. I mean, we still list him as a guest, and I guess technically he still is. Well, the, even a the guest, official site doesn't list him as a guest anymore. Yeah, that's true. Um, but you know, he, he's opened up more in the last couple of years. He's had more chances to jam. I know he does a little scat thing on Jimmy thing, and he seems a little back up. He's a talented guy. You know, he plays trumpet also. He can play a couple different different instruments. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to hear him bring in his touch to the band. It's just another, you know, flavor to add in. All right, now, this is a touchy question here. It's going to hit a nerve with a lot of people. Probably every fan of the band is going to is going to be anxious to hear the answer to this, but it's kind of going to be, ooh, that hurt. Uh, what happened to the third verse on Gray Street? 
Uh, it's all Dave's fault. <laughs> Dave Letterman. See, what happened was uh, DMB was playing a show on Letterman, and for time constraints, they had to... Uh, Gray, Street, Gray Street was going to be the single, and uh, for time constraints, they wanted to cut it down for television, so they ended up removing a verse, and uh, unfortunately, Dave Matthews liked it like that, thought it, it flowed a little bit better, and ever since July 15, 2002, that extra verse, uh, or that third verse, has been uh, absent. And you don't think then, it's a, uh, it's not, not to use the word lazy, but, you know, kind of like, kind of lazy, you know, like, uh, what would you say? They got big, they were playing that song all the time, they just put it, put the, you know, put it on the shelf. Is it, is it that kind of thing? They're tired of playing it? Well, I, I think that eventually it will come back, because it seems as though eventually everything comes back. I mean, look at Warehouse now, they hadn't played the, the Under the Table and Dreaming version of it since 1994, you know, 13 years later, they bring it back. Eventually, they'll bring back the other verse into the song, but, I, you know, when that'll happen, who knows? You know, until somebody tugs on Dave's shirt and says, hey, remember that other line you right. used to sing? You know, it's well, going to be absent, unfortunately. When you were saying Gray Street is going to be the single, that kind of it brought up a, a thought in my head. What is it with the band, or more likely the label, and singles lately? It seems like they really haven't had a clear direction on what singles are going to be released or the videos they do, and and sometimes it seems like singles are kind of singles are kind of half released as singles, kind of like a toe in the water. I mean, what's with the indecisiveness of the last couple albums? I think the big problem is you're looking at a radio industry that really likes their songs to be between 3:15 and 3:50, and they don't want songs any longer than that. And and you know, DMB plays the intro to Speak Up. You know, for four minutes, <laughs> it's just—it's not their style. They're really—they're not a radio band. It's just not their thing. And for them to do that, they'd have to cut songs down or purposely write songs short. And you know, even on stand-up, you could tell just by listening to it. Okay, well, this song has the potential to be a radio release. It's only three minutes and thirty-five seconds, and, and that's a trap you fall into with some producers and maybe the last two producers, in fact, you know, instead of DMB trying to write a song for the radio, what they should do is just say, you know what, we're just going to write a song and release it. If you play it, you play it. If you don't, you don't. You know, we're still going to get 30,000 people to show up. That's that's absolutely right. I, I mean, I uh, when I was speaking with um, a couple people regarding some of this latest news, I brought up the fact that, geez, you know, this the label the band definitely does not need it. Doesn't need RCA, in, in my opinion, in terms of uh, marketing. It doesn't really seem like they're getting the word out that well. They don't need to be restricted, basically. It seems. Uh, but uh, at the same time, the uh, it was turned to me that the the labels are are for all bands are like a big piggy bank. You know, you need uh, you know, a couple ten grand to you know promote this. They'll take care of it for you. So it's it's kind of nice to have that checkbook to write against, but uh, at the same time, I think we would all love it if uh, our favorite band didn't have the pressures to deal with when it came to the record companies. It's, a, it's really a dual-edged sword, and like you said, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to money, and that's what basically everything comes down to. And you know, like you were saying, it, it costs a lot of money to self-promote yourself. You know, in the end, it might work out, and a, a large band could get away with it, but you know. You just have one little mistake and one album that doesn't sell well, and you know, guess what? You're back playing the Ramada. 
Sure. You know? Sure. The Ramada. Well, um, I think that's closing it down for uh, community news right now. Jake, did you watch The Office last night? I did not watch The Office. I, I missed it. I was unavoidably detained. Well, here's a little off-topic tidbit for you. Dropping a little knowledge on you. Any of you fans of The Office, season four, one of the episodes this season will have a Utica, New York branch of Dunder Mifflin. And Wow. Yeah, exactly. And now they're, they're calling all cars. They want people to send in uh, Utica coffee mugs, mouse pads, pictures, postcards, whatever, because they're going to model the office as, it, as if it was in Utica. So uh, definitely a little local shout-out, little town here is 60,000, 10 times larger than my, than my uh, birthplace, but still uh, not quite on the map of large cities of America, so proud about that. Good job out of Utica. Way to yeah. get yourself on the map, get yourself known, get your name out there. That's good promotion. And we don't have hurricanes up here either. <laughs> for now. All right, Jake. Well, a little uh, tease for uh, next next podcast. I'm not sure if the next podcast we're going to do this, but soon we will. Um, with the recent news of, of Mark Batson no longer producing the, the next uh, project for the band, back in 95, before Stand Up came out, we had the pleasure of talking with Mark for about 20 minutes over the phone. I recorded it and transposed the uh, the words and wrote it out, and that was our that was the interview. Uh, now that the web's a little more mature, we have a little more bandwidth. We can uh, we have this avenue to communicate with you guys. Uh, I'm going to cut that interview into a podcast and play it for anybody who's interested in in hearing how the interview went. Mark was an extremely cool guy to talk to, very well versed in all kinds of music. It'll shock you when you hear him talk and how deep his knowledge goes in all genres of music. So I think that might be the next podcast. Not really sure, but we're going to hope to uh, make this a weekly thing. Uh, if Jake and I can get together, we'll bring Joe in. Right now he's in Europe uh, doing some backpacking. So Joe M. has left the building temporarily. Wow. Yeah. He's like he's like the cute beetle, you know. We're, we're like the ones that actually do all the work. But, you know, he's the one that just shows up and flops his hair. Well, I just hope I don't see Hostel 3 starring Joe M. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm worried about, backpacking in Europe. But uh, uh, let's see. Email us at podcast at antsmarching.org. you have any questions or comments, we're going to have a thread on the boards about the show to discuss it as well. Um, go to iTunes and enter in some reviews for the show. Uh, send some links to your friends. Tell everybody you know about it. We're uh, hope to keep this train rolling. We're having a lot of fun doing it. And if you have anything you want to know, any questions or anything you want us to talk about next time, Send them into the email. So, uh, Jake, let us know any any suggestions, anything like that. Just drop us a line. Sounds cool. We're gonna sign off. So, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you, Matt. Talk to you next time. See you later, Jake. Take care, everyone. What's up, fools? I think-